0: Welcome to Casual Watch Talk, the podcast from the Casual Watch Reviewer YouTube channel. Join us as we talk everything watches from watch collecting, the latest horology news, and interviews. If you're not already subscribed, subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Let's dive into the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to episode 46 of Casual Watch Talk. So today, Unfortunately, Chris isn't able to join me again, but I'm joined by a very special guest, Mike France from Christopher Ward. So thanks so much for joining us, Mike. Good to be with you guys. I think it's fair to say Christopher Ward's had a pretty standout couple of years. I recently covered this on my review of the Christopher Ward C65 World Timer. But for anyone that's not familiar with the brand, would you mind giving us a quick, brief history of Christopher Ward? Uh, Sure.
1: Um... We started, uh, started uh, Chris Ward up in uh, 2004. Um, the three of us then, the eponymous Christopher Ward, um, we gave the name of the business because it sounded the most English. And uh, we, we wanted a real person's name. And uh, being a British company, Mike France isn't the best name probably to have on a, uh, the dial of a British watch brand. Um, but um, Peter Ellis, who's still, uh, still working with me in the business, uh, uh, he and I had just sold um, a uh, an educational toy business in the UK called Early Learning Centre uh, in the April, and by um, the middle of May, uh, I particularly was um, pretty bored looking for the next sort of thing to get involved with, had a particular love of or interest in watches, knew nothing about watches, by the way, other than I liked watches, and convinced the other two that setting up a watch brand and then a, what turned out to be the the first online only watch brand was a good idea <laughs> so we set off to conquer the world of watches knowing nothing about it at all but learned pretty quickly got very lucky along the way we we had people we'd known for a number of years uh, who were able to introduce us uh, in the very early days to some of the <coughs> some incredible people involved in the watch industry and so we were given a sort of um a very early and unusual insight into the to what really goes on in the watch industry, as opposed to what some people think goes on in the watch industry, or what some people would like you to think goes on in the watch industry. Including a, a, a real light a light bulb moment when um, we discovered the sort of markups that some brands, most brands, all brands were applying to their watches. A bit like yourself, I'm a I'm a I'm a I'm from a sort of a, a working class northern background in uh, in England and. Uh, my mother sits on my shoulder all the while, wanting to, know the, um, wanting to know the value of things as opposed to the price of things. And uh, throughout my uh, sort of uh, career, I've always uh, lived by the maxim that you, you try and pass on as much value to, to the consumer as you possibly can. And be fair in everything in all your dealings with them. And we felt at the time um that this was far from the case in the watch industry. So we decided that the opportunity for us was not just to create a different business model. It sounds ridiculous at the moment today, doesn't it, that people thought you people were ringing me up saying you'll never sell watches online just don't even go there Mike." you know it sounds ridiculous now doesn't it to, yeah. to 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 even conceive of that but that was that was what people genuinely thought back in 2004 i mean they were you know they were convinced that you couldn't sell clothing online at the time. Uh, but as we'd come out of early learning center having sold climbing frames online we thought it was probably an easier gig to sell uh, to sell watches frankly we said we embarked on on a, on a philosophy of not just a business model that was unique at the time but a Um, a philosophy about uh, being completely transparent about everything we do, uh, which I hope we've lived up to. And that included the pricing model, and we wanted it to be fair and transparent. And so we apply a very simple and have done from day one and continue to do so today. And as long as I've got anything to do with the business, it will remain the the case. Um, We simply uh, multiply the manufacturing cost price by three, which just you know, covers all of our overheads, covers our marketing costs and gives us a fair margin, but not an excessive margin. And therefore, that's the model that's been in existence since day one. Uh, and we, were f- we got very lucky because um, in the early days, um, when you know, frankly, when you start up a new company, um, you don't know what's going to happen. Um, this was a sector that we knew very little about. We launched our website, we'd taken some advertising out, sales were trickling in, in the first autumn up to Christmas, and then suddenly, there was a huge spike in sales, and we had no idea why, apart from me being a marketing genius, (laughs) 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 Uh, we had absolutely no idea why it was happening, but ultimately, we discovered that uh, a chap uh, in Tasmania, off uh, off the coast of Australia, had come across one of our ads for our very first watch, the C5 Malvern Automatic. He couldn't believe that we could possibly be selling an automatic uh, Swiss movement watch with an net 28242 in it at the price we were offering it at, and therefore bought one from us without us knowing why, to expose us, because he was a major poster on one of the largest forums at the time, still is a big forum, timezone.com. He, uh, he, he bought the watch, and to his eternal credit and to our eternal good fortune, when he received the watch and opened the case back up and he knew about watches. Um, he realized that this was actually a genuine ETA 28242 and then posted a eulogizing review on timezone.com, which pronounced amongst other things that he had discovered the best value watch, mechanical watch available in the world. And for a while on timezone.com, we were being talked about more than rolex were this is a brand that's been going (laughs) three three months and of course people were you know as as happens occasionally on the on the on blogs and forums there were trolls there were people you know having to go at him for even suggesting this was possible but ultimately um it sparked into life um the brand the you know better than any how how the subterranean world of watch aficionados works. I mean, yeah. we're all sort of constantly reading blogs, forums, finding out about the things that we love. And of course, um, that spread and uh, it was a great start for us. Pure, pure happenstance, really. And I do think, uh, you know, most, uh, most stories of, um, <laughs> of success in life have more than a slice of luck attached to it. And I think we are no exception in that regard.
0: It was quite revolutionary at the time, selling watches like that. I mean, even yeah. some of the big brands now can't don't get the online presence right whatsoever. Not only was it revolutionary, you're selling watches online, but also you you gave that security to people of buying online with the extended money back guarantee or return policy, I should say. And then the warranty as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, um, again, we looked at um, we looked at the you know the offers that were available at the time. We, as I say, we were fortunate enough to be um, to be meeting and introduced to senior people in the watch industry, and therefore um, you know we had access to to ETA movements at the time, then Salita movements. And we realized that um, you know the average two year, twelve month or two year warranty on a movement was, Completely erroneous to, to to what we'd been used to, and wondered why if, if these were such fantastic movements, why why couldn't brands offer a, the consumer a, a a longer warranty? So we from again from from launch decided that um, one of the ways we could break down any any resistance to people um, even ordering a a watch online without seeing it, um, and clearly in those days there was going to be more resistance than there is today, as people were unsure more unsure about the internet. There's still some resistance today in mm-hmm. some quarters, but um, I think it's being broken down all the time. And I think what's happened in the... It's, <laughs> fortunately, for a sad reason, the, the, as we all know, um, the coronavirus epidemic has probably accelerated greatly uh, the move towards online in all sorts of sectors and including the watch industry. We To, to break down resistance to people you know, thinking they were taking an inordinate risk, we offered um, a 60 day free return so effectively and it still remains the case effectively it's a try try before you buy yeah. you know we've got nothing to hide and in, you know what we found from day one I'm very pleased to say um uh, is the you know we have an incredibly small returns rate um because i think one of the again fortunately for us we we've we've always tried to focus on the quality of what we do i think when i look back to what we were selling in 2005 versus what we're selling now there is there is little comparison but at the time it was the best quality we could provide Mm. and so people and the prices were uh, you know were, were unheard of in our in our sector so we had very few returns and then we backed that with you know the longest um the longest um warranty movement warranty in existence at the time and still today I'm not aware of anybody who's um, who's beaten it. So our 60/60 guarantee, as we call it, has been a fundamental pillar of customer support for us from day one, and I think it it, it does resonate. It's got it had many imitators or part imitators um, since uh, since those early days. But as I say today, I still think it's the exception rather than the rule, and arguably the best. Um, guarantee available in the watch sector.
0: You just touched on it then about the coronavirus epidemic, and we've been covering it on our podcast right from early earlier in the year, where it didn't seem like it was going to take a, a hold. Certainly in the rest of the world, it was it was China focused. But as it as it sort of went on, I think mm-hmm. it really showed two sectors. And I think I remember this happening in two thousand and eight when there was the economic downturn. Is the companies that did well either offered a luxury? goods or quality and the middle of the road brands really suffered. And I think we really saw that playing out with some of the main brands. Uh, I recently saw an interview you did with watch pro where you're saying that actually it's been a very successful year for you because of the, the foundations that you built with the sales model early on.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's been, we've had a, um, we've had a a, a good year um, and I'm pretty sure have gained, um, you know, quite significant market share. To be honest, um, you know, I'm I'm sad for some of the um, the brands who are largely offline and therefore have suffered. So I don't take great delight in um, in in some of the problems they've had. But being a purely online business, we we've clearly benefited. I think we made our own luck as well to some extent because um, the conventional wisdom says that um, you know in in such times, you know the first budget to get hacked away at is the marketing budget. Yeah. Um. So we doubled it. Uh, and went the other way. So uh, I'm a big believer in um, zagging when others zig. Again, it was a it was a, an informed decision based on things we I'd done in the past, we'd done in the past. Um, but in May, when we launched um, our first ever TV campaign built around um, a new line that we'd introduced called the C60 Sapphire, I, I, I've no I've no way of proving this, by the way. But I, I, if I say it often enough, people might believe it to be true but <laughs> i actually i actually think that in may christopher ward had the best selling watch by volume under a thousand pound or between 500 and 1500 pound in the world judging by the sales we had but we were alone i mean nobody else everybody else had pulled all their advertising i mean for many people who were like us who only uh, who were advertising either um Uh, on billboards or in magazine titles, they'd vanished. They weren't on the newsstands anymore. So people had pulled um, all their advertising and, you know, we decided to become the first British watch brand we think maybe even ever to advertise on TV. There was no model that said it was going to work. We've got some really talented people, both inside the business and partners who work with us on on these sorts of things. And the team that we put together to very quickly work out what to do and when to do it, I think, did a, an unbelievable job, not just in uh, you know, securing the space for us uh, on the TV screens, but producing a, an ad, a really high-quality ad. In fact, the only ad during, um, during the first couple of months, of, other than Her Majesty's government, <laughs> we were the only brand in the uk creating a new ad at that time and i'm rather proud of that <laughs> i mean when you think of some of the big boys i mean you know, yeah. we're, a t- we're a we're this little tiddler swimming around you know sort of yes of course we can build a we yeah of course we can produce a tv ad in lockdown where with social distancing uh, it was a, it was a nightmare and they were magnificent and we produced the c60 sapphire which i uh add and i think it's uh, it's we're still running it and that generated for us um you know a really fantastic uh, may uh, and as i say the the world was uh, we were a beacon because no one else was uh, was doing much and i think we benefited by going on the front foot at a time when everybody else was sort of uh, you know hunkered down as it were you know i think uh, we were again fortunate to be launching a watch at that time um that just you know just hits all the buttons um and uh you know, they, we've just uh, just recently released a sort of another uh, sapphire-based watch called the C60 Blue, which is all the profits are going to um, to the Blue Marine Foundation, which is uh, a, a marine, an ocean charity that we support. they're, they're effectively um, trying to uh, to reduce the overfishing in our oceans, and it's it's a pretty important deal because it's only relatively recently people have understood the importance of the oceans in, um, in reducing global warming. Uh, and they're right at a tipping point now. Uh, I'll, I'll get on the soap, this is not, nothing to do with watches. This is a completely separate soapbox. But it is important uh, because um, the, what the, 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 the oceans have been absorbing our carbon dioxide heat and they're right at the tipping point where they cannot absorb much more. If they can't absorb any more of the uh, the excess heat that we're producing in the world the excess carbon dioxide in the world then we really are in trouble a really important charity for us but anyway that's uh so back to back to the c 60 sapphire but by the way the c60 blue which is the one the watch charity has been phenomenal uh, already i'm you know i'm so pleased and uh bmf um, or blue as they prefer to be called are delighted with the response as well because it's been a fantastic and we only launched it last week but yeah the c60 the original c60 sapphire became our fastest selling launch ever um in part because i think it's an you know really intriguing watch uh, but also part because we, uh, we promoted it so strongly on the tv and that's helped to fuel a really good year as has the next launch major launch we had which is the c60 super compressor which um I know, I know you've uh, you've seen and I know you've spoken of.
0: I'm really excited to get a review copy to to show, uh, although a couple of our followers on the Facebook group have this watch as well. Now, you said in, uh, when you invented the watch that it was the first true super compressor, but I'd, I'd like to delve into that a little bit more. Obviously, there is compressor watches. You've got Vostok and then a lot of modern reinterpretations are in compressor style cases when you say this is the first super compressor for i believe 50 years what does that mean to a to a watch collector i guess or or what's your interpretation of that
1: well it's it's not a it's not uh, an interpretation it's it's a, it's actually a statement of fact yeah back in uh, 1954 a company called Irving Picaret, um, EPSA for short, introduced a uh, supercompressor uh, or compressor watches. Um, the supercompressor was the third evocation and um, by far the best, which allowed, uh, as I think you know, it allowed um, the, the case back compressed the deeper the diver went. Uh, which prevented what had been happening at great depths or reasonable depths previously, which was the explosion of the watch. Yeah. Not, not, not very useful uh, for professional divers particularly. And Picaret patented a really ingenious, and it really is ingenious, and like all great um, inventions, a simple but very, very clever piece of engineering, which had a, a coil spring inside the case back, which effectively pushed to get it pushes back against the backplate yeah. to push it back against the gasket to make the gasket seal much much more secure than it would have otherwise would otherwise be and therefore not allowing any water seepage into it this mechanism uh, hasn't been reproduced genuinely not by Bostock not by anybody hasn't yeah. been reproduced since 1972 i think is the last the very last one that went out and although many brands have introduced um, watches called compressors. Yeah. Like many things in the watch industry, yeah, you know, um, it's bullshit baffles brains, <laughs> um, you know, and, uh, um, you know, people buy it um, because it's said with such conviction, people think, you know, that must be, well, I mean, people, some people probably don't even question what the word compressor actually means. So yes. the clue is in the name. If it doesn't compress, it isn't a compressor. <laughs> <laughs> and none of them compress, and none of them we and it actually this was brought to my attention by a um an owner of ours, an Austrian owner of ours who wrote to an email to me saying you know love the love the c60 trident he just bought um, uh love the c sixty five case that we just introduced um you know had I ever thought about um, doing a proper super compressor because um nobody's ever done one uh, for fifty years and really? And uh, so we, we, that was, it just intrigued me. So we, Adrian Bushman, our senior designer, and I just then went and did our research on the, on the matter, discovered this amazing trove, treasure trove of, uh, of uh, EPSA watches. I mean, over a hundred brands were using this patented mechanism back in the day. I mean, really great brands as well. And, but it had all vanished. And yet because, we're all going through a bit of a retro period in terms of, you know, uh, uh, what everything, what we're all interested in. And um, it's an interesting sort of, you know, you've got Apple Watch at one end, and you've got retro going on in the mechanical watches yeah. at the other end, quite fascinating, isn't it? But, um, you know, therefore people have gone in, dug back into, uh, into what's been going on, dug back into that, if they've been going since then or before then, back into their own um, archives. Pulled out things that they used to sell, some of which were called <laughs> super compressors, and decided to, you know, redo the aesthetic, uh, which sometimes, but not always, included um, included um, two crowns, and that's not, um, you know, everybody thinks that's the sign of a super compressor. Yes. Yeah. No, it's not. It's one. It's most. Uh, it's furnace. Most of the most most of the super compressors did tend to have the internal bezel and therefore had the second crown at uh, to, to, to make at uh, two—a two o'clock—to make that work. However, many didn't as well. So it's not the—it's uh, not the signal of a supercompressor. The signal of a supercompressor is actually that it compresses, and therefore we just thought, well, bloody hell, let's do so. Let's go and let's go and do a proper one. Yeah. And that's where our—that's where our problem started, in a sense, because it turned out to be. Um, a uh, more difficult exercise, and I think certainly Adrian and I and Frank Stelzer, our technical director, ever thought it would be. And it be, But it became a, and at one stage, I have to be honest, um, our technical guys in Beale, uh, we have a, our, our ateliers in Beale, they came back to me and said, and Adrian said, no, 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 no we, 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 this is not going to be possible to do. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it got shelved for about three months as we scurried around thinking how can we... How can we break through this? And so we ended up paying over the odds at auction for um, for a super compressor. Uh, and with uh, our technical team in, um, in, in Beale and with our amazing uh, case manufacturer in China, they, um, re, you know, re- reverse engineered the whole thing. And I'll never forget, it was only a bit later than this time last year, December the 4th, I think it was, something like that, when we got about the fourth iteration that was due to be tested, because we had to obviously test it to make sure that it was watertight under pressure. And it was one of those great eureka moments, you know, there was fist pumping going on, you know, it it was almost as if Everton had just won um the, the 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 premier league um fat chance of that happening um so <laughs> it was one it was one of those great moments um because it, it actually worked and therefore all of the heartache and effort that all these guys had put into it um we knew we knew was going to work out and then it went through a whole process of you know testing and were testing uh, and we eventually launched it um In September, beginning of September, and I'm pleased to say it's um, you know it's it's been critically, incredibly well received by people like yourself, uh, and and many many other people who know a lot about watches, and fortunately for us, um, it's it's been a commercial success as well. But of 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 all of the watches we have done since, uh, and of all the things we've done since, I think probably bringing out Calibre H21 in 2014 this is the this is the the thing I'm most proud of because I know how hard the team worked to bring it to to fruition and it's a kind of a for us you know people I don't know what sort of a brand we are really people people call us a disruptor brand I I, we've never called ourselves that we just do things we we enjoy doing and hope to do them well and hope people like them but um, one of the things that I can say about our brand, it matters to, to all of those who work in Christopher Ward, is that we, we don't cut corners and we genuinely, um, if we're going to call something a compressor, it better compress because we ain't going to do it otherwise. And um, so it's, it, in a way, it's sort of right at the heart of what we're about in an industry that frankly is still, as I say, full of the bullshit. Yeah. But there you go That's so so you know that's the the story of the um, of the of the super compressor.
0: Yeah the reason that I mentioned about it being certainly the most exciting dive watch I believe that was released this year and I think I said it including the rolexes which will probably get me in trouble but nobody's picked up pick me up on it yet.
1: <laughs> couldn't agree more with you couldn't agree more.
0: <laughs> like you mentioned A lot of watch companies are revisiting their back catalogue. Breitling's doing it at the moment. And some of the movements, like Omega's gone back to its 321 movement. But nobody's... I don't remember anybody else taking the care to actually revisit a case of a vintage watch you've got the components that they're revisiting but not the case in the way that you did unlike the main brands not only is it not a limited edition you've also kept it within the price range of all the other watches there's no additional that's been added on for the the extra engineering that's so how important is that to the to the brand is the the pricing because everything's within its within the same price bracket isn't it?
1: it it opens at 895 um That's UK pounds um, versus, say, the Sapphire at seven nine five. It's it cost us, um, you know, it's slightly more expensive, the case, um, um, because of what's involved in, in creating it. But as I said earlier, Sam, it's 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 a very simple philosophy we have. Whatever it costs us to produce it, we multiply it by three. It's it it. I know people people sort of think, well, 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 you know, no doubt, you know, possibly we could have we could have added a premium to it, and and but but that it's just not what we do. I and mean, again, I, you know, I am not that complicated an individual, frankly. I like you know, we, we 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 like to keep things simple and straightforward and uh, and transparent. Therefore, you know, we've got we we've got watches. Um, I was just earlier today looking at um re-looking at um a watch we, we brought out in um the ultimate 2019 which was the c60 apex which uh, i don't know if you're familiar with the watch but it, it contains our um rsh 21 our own movement um, with yeah. a power reserve and it's what we had done um is we we had it's got an amazing sort of um semi-skeletonized Uh, Dial and some uh, incredible bridge work in terms of the movement um, um, as well, uh, particularly around the barrels. And um, that's our most expensive watch to date, at just shy of three and a half thousand pounds. Three four nine five UK pounds. We only produced a hundred. I wish we had a limited edition of more than that because you know we could have sold a lot more, but. The same principle applies to that as applies to our leading watch, which is 395. It's three times the cost. It's just that you've got a really expensive movement in there. You've got some incredible bridge work. Um, so it, it's, it's not about, uh, we don't, it's not about um, compromising in any shape or form. And it's certainly not about um, gilding the lily in pricing. Yes. You know, whatever you see from Christopher Ward, you can be absolutely certain that it is a three times multiple and therefore, you know, you can work out what the cost of that is. And because I know, because I'm in the industry, I know, you know, which other manufacturers, um, you know, use the same movements, use the same case manufacturer, use the same dial manufacturers we do. You know, I know broadly what they're paying uh, and I know what everybody else's markups are. And, and, and I know that I'm bound to say this, but because quality is at the heart of what we do. And it, it, it's kind of interesting you talk about cases because we're, we're really focused on things like cases because we don't think the industry is particularly focused on things like cases. I agree. And we, we were, you know, uh, as well ourselves until five or six years ago, producing, you know, well-engineered cases, pretty slab-sided, Why they're rare, they're cheaper to produce. Yeah, the moment you start doing things like uh, having facets that have got different types of polishing and brushing on them, that's where you start to get into the cost. Uh, But because we wanted the best, we created the light catcher case, which has become now prevalent throughout our collection, and Adrian. Bushman, our, our senior designer, this was, you know, it's, it's one of his great contributions, I think, to, to, to watchmaking and watch design over the past five or 10 years or more. It is a wonderful, wonderful case. And if you, take, if you know about watches and when you get one of those cases in your hand, you can see that what we are doing is a completely different level to other brands that people compare us with in terms of price. And therefore, I can honestly say, I believe this. I'm bound to say it, but I absolutely, believe, I absolutely believe it. That if somebody can show me an equivalent quality watch anywhere anywhere in the world today, yeah, anywhere in the world today, to what we're doing, they can have the watch free. Okay. And no, Nobody has been able, when you really, really get down to looking at the level of detail and what we do in our watches... Because we refuse to make compromises, yeah, Yeah. They are, um, um, you know, they are truly great value, but it's not because we go out with a price in mind necessarily. It's because we have a simple mechanism of whatever it takes, it's times three. Whatever it costs, it's times three.
0: I, I would totally agree with that. That recent, the World Timer that I reviewed, not only was I blown away by the case, The crown is properly sized, which I think a lot of these reissues make like a tiny crown. And the way the whole dial itself came together, the GMT hand, it looks almost partially invisible because of that really deep black dial. The date almost appears invisible on the dial because it's got a, it's a lot of the little details and the hands like blew me away. The the bevel, there's a lot of things that you could have got away with not doing, I, I think.
1: I mean, I, I'm, I'm, surrounded by, uh, I'm surrounded by some really talented people um, and, you know, um, Will Brackfield, who is uh, another one of our designers. I mean, we're, we're very um, design-led. I mean, I've always been involved in... I mean, I, my background is the fashion industry years ago and I worked with people like Terence Conrad. And so design has always been um, central to, to, to what I'm about uh, as an individual. We've, we've managed to, in Will's case, train up in, the, in Adrian's case, bring in, um, you know, some of the, I think, the best talent uh, in watch design there is. I mean, I don't know if you know, I mean, many, and many, many of the brands that you, um, that we all know and love, um, you know, very often they're not designed in-house. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, they, they're, it's a, like a lot of watches, um, a lot of watch brands, a lot of micro brands as well. You know, you and I could set off and set up a watch brand tomorrow. Uh, Give me a shout if you want to, you know, (laughs) Um, um, know, I can take you to, uh, you know, where lots of brands that, you know, we all know and say kind of love um, go to in Switzerland. And it's a turnkey operation. Yeah. You'll go with some ideas. Their designers will churn out the designs. Their factories will churn out the watches. You know, they'll even they'll even ship them for you now. Um, it's a complete turnkey operation, and I think some people would be very surprised at some of the names that use that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, whereas um, you know we've never gone down that route. It's always even when I think in the earlier days people were having to suffer my design thoughts <laughs> um, on our watches. You know, at least it was us. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was us, um, and you know. We've just, I think, um, got better and better over the, over the years. And, and now instead of producing what I think, and, and I think if fairly people 10 years ago were, would criticise some of the things we did as being homages. The fact that most watch brands produce homages of some sort or another doesn't matter. But I would say that's fair cop. And we set off, you know, six, seven years ago, to recreate the design aesthetic for Christopher Ward so that it had something that was singularly owned by Christopher Ward. And to do that, you need really great designers and, you know, and then great technicians to translate the designs into things that work and then great manufacturers to turn the technicians' ideas and the designers' ideas into real, <laughs> real 3D animated uh, products. And you know, it's all about any business is all about the people, yeah. and I just you know I just I'm very thankful for some of the real talent that we've got at our disposal because it's not by accident that these things happen. It's people that create these things, and they they were, They're such genuine, talented people that you know my job is just to keep pushing them um, to you know pushing the envelope a bit further every time. Just uh, and you know making people unafraid. know to do things Um, there's an awful lot of conservatism in the watch industry yes Um, and you know there are there are other great brands as well who do what we do which is push try and push the boundaries in our world yeah Um, within the sort of framework of where we where we lie but it's a it's a as you know it's a it's a it's a wonderful wonderful industry to be involved in because you know virtually anything is possible if you've got the inventiveness and the curiosity to want to bring it to to life um, and I, i'm i'm fortunate enough at the moment we uh, a couple of weeks ago roger smith and i um launched the alliance of british watching Makers.
0: i was going to ask you about that because uh, a friend to the show nicholas from fears has just joined as well
1: ah uh, he has indeed um and um, nicholas nicholas uh, who i know very well is uh, we uh, i'm very pleased to say he's uh, one of the founding uh, founding members um you know, and, and, you know, Roger, um, at one level, some people might think that, you know, Roger's a traditionalist. Far from it. I mean, he's pushing boundaries all the time. The coaxial movement, you know, it, it, he's developed that beyond recognition. I mean, you know, um, and has now got the evidence that says that, you know, because, of course, one of the great debates within the uh, within the watch industry is, you know, the lever escapement versus the coaxial escapement. Anybody who hasn't got... The coaxial, of course, says the lever is better. Um, <laughs> um, and Omega did a really smart thing um, in, 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 in getting hold of it because it is, there's no doubt, and we don't have it, but then nobody else has. The coaxial is a better escapement. And why is it better? Because it takes away a degree of the, the, the greatest problem that all mechanical watchers have, which is the need for lubrication. Yeah. Yeah, so what Roger's now been able to demonstrate is through the developments of his co movement in the watches he's created, because don't forget George Daniels only ever created eight co-axial watches in his lifetime. So you didn't have a body of work big enough really to, to be sure about the benefits of the co versus the lever escapement. And what Roger has been able to demonstrate now is that for his watches certainly, instead of there being a five year period for a service, that has already moved to 15 years. Yeah, that's a, an, an amazing thing. And he is working with Manchester Metropolitan University on what might be the biggest breakthrough that watchmaking has had you know, since the, the 18th century, which is, na- which is a nanotechnology covering of all the moving parts in a watch. Which effectively would take away the need for servicing a watch for all time. Wow! Can you imagine that? And this is something he is working on at the moment with with Manchester Metropolitan University, not far away from your. Um... It's where I went. Yeah, I feel I feel oh, like well, right. I, feel, I feel like maybe I
0: wasted my three years. Then if they've come out with this,
1: that is amazing. So yeah, he's been working with them for a good while. Um, they they. It had to development apparently had to slow down because of COVID back in March, yeah. but it's back on the agenda now. They're back, uh, back working, and you know there are no guarantees. Uh, it's a bit like vaccines, but uh, it's uh, there are no guarantees of this. But if you know if 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 Roger's work with um, with Manchester Met comes to fruition, that is a complete and total game changer. Yeah, total and utter game changer. Wow. And this is a guy who's just interested in traditional watchmaking. Do me a favor. You know, um, it's fantastic. And, uh, you know, um, and so that's why we think that's one of the reasons, not not the nanotechnology, but one of the motivations for launching the Alliance was because we'd like to, A, apart from making the watchmaking sector in um and watch brands in British watch brands more known across the world and there are far more of them than people uh, ever realize in fact never we realized until we were collating the information but it's a it's a really vibrant sector at the moment you know when we started back in 04 there was kind of just us and Vermont and one or two others there's more than 50 now um, it's fantastic. It's, it's one of the fastest growing sectors of UK in, in, in the UK, but it's not known as a sector. So the alliance was formed to bring a focus on the sector, to give it a platform across the world to be celebrated and to grow. And one of the aims we have is to bring back as much innovation and therefore in time, hopefully, supplying of parts and components to UK watchmaking. We're not trying to become Switzerland Mark II. The UK, just as it's done in the automotive industry, you know, look at what it does with Formula One. You know, we're never going to have the the biggest automotive industry in the world in the UK ever again. But my goodness, you know, we are the leaders in the technology. And that's Roger and mine's vision, if you like, for British watchmaking. Because... There's something about the Brits, you know, um, you know we are a curious, inventive um, breed. And, you know, if we put our minds to things, we're also quite entrepreneurial. If we put our minds to things, we can create things like George Daniels did. You know, if that isn't the greatest invention in 250 years of watchmaking, I don't know what is. In fact, I think George Daniels is the greatest, um, the greatest Englishman uh, over the last century that virtually nobody's ever heard about
0: yeah it's incredible i mean especially because manchester for for our u.s listeners very well known for textiles and it makes sense that uh, fabrics and, and and things like that and additional coatings is is right in manchester's sweet yeah, spot yeah. going back to the industrial revolution so
1: it's 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 really and of course it's uh, it's always been a um a big center for watchmaking as well i mean the uh you know um uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think um Roger went did his um his you know studied horology in Manchester. and that's where he first came across george daniels. george George was uh, was uh, was booked to give a lecture to the students and listening to listening to George, you know Roger was so sort of entranced. he determined uh, that's who he wanted to work with, and that's what he wanted to do. and The rest is history.
0: Wow. Maybe I should have spent less time in the student union when I was at at MMU.
1: (laughs) There's still time. You could go back.
0: Yeah. I I talk with a lot of US micro brands and the big thing for them is that they would love to make more of the watches in the US, Mm. but it's just having those suppliers that have been outsourced. Apparently, hairsprings are incredibly hard to source from anyone except for the main, main providers. Well, before we if we before we finish up here, I'd love to talk to you about the new chronograph, the C65 chronograph that yeah. you've just released which was incredible coming straight off the back of the Super Compressor, straight away to have another Almost revolutionary watch in in the industry as well. It, it was quite cool to see, and the ad the ad campaign is just fantastic. The I mean, I'm a big fan of Lichtenstein artwork and stuff, and you've incorporated a lot of those themes into the advertising. So yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Uh, and the the uh, I don't know if you saw the the cover of our uh, of our magazine Loop, uh, which was um, created for us by Craig and Carl. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I've got it here. Uh, brilliant! Um, and you know they are—they themselves. I mean, they've worked with some amazing people. You know, Nike, Apple, Google. Um, and it turned out fortuitously again for us that one of them's a fan of Waugh. Um So we we got a we got a we got a real mate deal on the on, <laughs> on, on the artwork, which uh, I'm I'm hoping to have a uh, a big piece of uh, of it uh, hanging on the wall in my home uh, in the not too distant future. It might actually replace the Bob Dylan, uh, the Bob Dylan. Um, oh yes, in the background. In the background, uh, but anyway, yes, the the C sixty five chronograph. Um, I had uh, back at, um, at Criswell get together last year, pre pandemic. I had uh, announced to the uh, to the assembled uh, assembled um, CW fans that. Uh, uh, 2020 was designated as the year of the chronograph. Um, it didn't quite. W- it turned out, as I think I say in Luke magazine, to be part year of the chronograph, uh, in that um, because uh, Salita closed just before they were due to deliver the 510 BHA movements to us back in uh, back in February, early March. Chronographs were had, had to be delayed to the this autumn, which turned out to be pretty fortuitous again in some ways uh, in that it, may, it it did mean we pulled forward the um the blue sapphire which <laughs> so you know you win some you lose some um, but the c sixty five chronograph is a is a i think an interesting watch in lots of ways because uh, annie i think covid is a sort of um it's an interesting sort of um, contrast to it as well we've I mean all of us this has been the weirdest year that any of us have ever lived probably yep. hopefully yep. the weirdest year we'll ever live again um but the and it's it's had its darker moments for lots of people the c65 which is based on that um that period of um the late 60s into the early 70s in terms of it the flavor of it which is very much into psychedelia um Pink Floyd, Sid Barrett, um, you know, the world was changing. London was the center of the world at that time. Um, pop art was, was beginning to, 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 to emerge all over the place. And so as with everything, eventually uh, watchers of that era took on some of the mores of culture that were, were happening around that time became much more colorful, uh, more adventurous um and we want to, and and you've seen a bit of a return to that i think uh, you know there are there are some great examples out there from other brands at the moment of taking this sort of uh, nuance on we wanted to take it on in our own particular way and therefore um created the C65 chronograph uh, by compacts because that's that was the sort of um the the chronograph look of that time um particularly lateral uh, horizontal by compacts um, and that sort of regatta-esque countdown, um, the C65 retro case was perfect for this as well. Uh, a new, as a relatively new uh, Salita chronograph movement into it, um, the first of our, you know, we, we introduced the, um, um, uh, the screw down crown onto the C65 case with it. So lots of things going on and just some of the attention to detail in it. I know, I know it's a, it's a bit nerdish, isn't it? But if asked my favorite piece of detail on the, in the entire watch is the, the date wheel where we print red onto white. Um, and I just, love that that just forget the rest of the watch. The, you know, that for me is just beautiful. Um, and it's that, those little, atten- those little, details that when you add them all together often what excite people I And mean, interesting enough i'm just reading it's a plug for another for, for a british author i'm just actually reading um a, a book called utopia avenue okay which uh, is is set in 1969 and is all about um that sort of period i'm about 50 pages in so far but um it's 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 uh, it's certainly got me interested because i love that period of uh of, of culture, it's where much of what we, our culture of today, as we know, really sort of stems from from that period. So, um,
0: I'm a huge. F- I'll 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 jump on that uh, that thing with you. i love the date on a watch, and I love the way that you've done this. Not only is it red, but it's also sort of vertical as well.
1: Yes, yes, absolutely. Down well, there at six, yeah.
0: But I forgot to ask you this earlier, but I think of Christopher Ward as one of the first, with the exception of Oris that really. You started using Salita, and i think a lot of people don't realize that one time solita put, produced i think it was 2009 more movements than eta that shipped to third parties now there was some swiss competition commission things going on that restricted eta but Indeed. it's really a effort for quite a, a relatively new company i guess Salita is so when did you make the switch to Solita? It, you said earlier on you used ETA earlier on.
1: Yeah, I mean, we, still, we still have a really good relationship with, um, with ETA and um, still occasionally use some of their movements. But the bulk of our, um, our, of our movements, certainly our three-hand automatic movements, the SW200, is they all come from Solita now and have done for some time. We, uh, like, like many others, when, uh, when the, the whole letter thing was, was, was going on back in uh, 08, 09, etc., I think Solita um, really brilliantly took the opportunity to, to, to develop their business. But the thing that really swung it for us is we, um, we were running in parallel for a long time, 2824s against the SW200. And what that gave us the opportunity of doing was um, testing the quality of these. Yeah. And perhaps because the tooling at Salita is newer, um, there can be, you know, uh, our, our technical director at the time, a guy called Johannes Janka, who was also the designer of SH21, who now is the technical, one of the technical directors at Salita, interesting. He, uh, he, want, he wanted to run a, um, a proper quality control test between the two, because we pretty much 50-50. And what we discovered um, was that um, the quality of Salita's movements was superior. So when we discovered that, um, and because quality is at the core of everything we do, um, we decided to move across entirely to Salita. So it was a, uh, a decision born out of the controversial move by the Swatch Group to limit the supply of, uh, of ETA movements potentially. Yeah. Uh, it, as you know, and as I think everybody knows, it's sort of the whole thing backfired on them in a way because, and was, um, I think. Uh, although they claim that this was the reason they did it at the time. I'm not entirely sure this is true, but, um, you know, what it did do was spawn an incredible amount of inventiveness. Um, And I think that's been really valuable for the industry Um, and, you know, got us creating our own movement for goodness sake, you know, and uh, um, even if a very well-known chief executive of a very, very well-known brand at the time said when he saw it, uh, we showed it to him at uh, Basel World. Um, what gives you the license to do that, he said, <laughs> <laughs> which is one of my favorite quotes since being in the industry, because uh, it sort of uh, tells you an awful lot about um, sometimes the snootiness and the um, the closed mindedness um, of, of parts of the industry uh, and doesn't do the credit to the wonderful wonderful people who, who who are in the industry I think it's a it's in like many industries it's got two sides um, yeah. but um, but yeah the so born of the the the, the initial um, swatch group um, resistance to supply movements to the rest of the into third parties um, but then um, because of its superior quality became the the workhorse movement for us in a sense and i must say mr garcia who owns and runs um salita um is an exceptional watch man and uh, has built an amazing amazing bit if you ever get the chance to go and see their plant which is grown out of all report you know it's huge now compared to what it was 10 even five years ago um it's a it's a wonderful experience because um it is an amazing facility. Mike,
0: thanks so much for joining us on Casual Watch Talk this week. Big thanks to you.
1: Uh, It's a real, real pleasure, Sam. And uh, hopefully we can do it again sometime. Absolutely. If you've got any
0: questions, head on over to the Facebook group for Casual Watch Talk. As always, we appreciate you listening and we'll see you next time on Casual Watch Talk. Thanks, guys. Bye.